Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Back to business it is. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Now airing not only Saturday mornings, 8 to 10, but also Sunday mornings. Buckle your seatbelt. Sunday mornings, 7.30 to 9.30. Uh, McNamara on Money now airs. We are in studio this morning, 781 4900 if anyone has any questions for us and the text number so we also ah, have the text you. number 781 um that's uh, i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed joined by my husband kirk reed do you want to do the announcements sure so uh next saturday uh june 22nd uh the, the topic is death of a loved one uh brendan mcnamara of mcnamara Barrel funeral, funeral home. home. Yep. And no, no relation. Nope, no, no relation. relation. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> that I know of. Uh, no. Somewhere along the line, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, so Brendan McNamara and Mike McNamara. Yeah. No relation. He's a relation. Yeah. Uh, he's a relation. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss everything you need to know about making funeral arrangements, uh, including pre uh, pre funeral planning. Um, and then the following Saturday, June 29th. Uh, conflict resolution strategies. I'm excited for this one. Mediation mm -hmm. and pre-slash-post-nuptial agreements. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. We will be joined by attorney Amy Martell of Whole Family Law and Mediation of Marshfield. Yes. So both of those I uh, are sort of like unfortunate topics to discuss, <laughs> however, sometimes necessary and hopefully informational. Uh, okay, we have a caller. We're going to go to Don from Abington. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you? 
Good, and you? Good, thank you. What can we do for you? That family leave, a lot of places have already had it, uh, but it didn't really state, it stated that you could take the time off. It didn't state that you would get paid unless you had sick time or vacation time to cover it. Is that coming into play there at all? By the way, uh, I'm gonna have you answer that one, Pat. Yeah. Um, Don, if you have a radio on in the background, if you could just turn it off because I feel like we hear an echo. Or is that yeah? Okay. Um, all right. And Pat, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you handle that question. Yeah. So Don, uh, when I started off, there's always been, or at least since 1993, a law saying you could take the time off for either your own sickness or to care for a, a family member, but it had to be unpaid, like you said, unless you had sick time, vacation time, personal time, something where your employee would allow you to take the time off. Now, again, now meaning starting in 2021 in Massachusetts, if you're one of these covered employees, which we've been talking about, you'll be able to get um, paid family leave um, and in addition to the other protections that you get under the other laws, you'll start to get paid family leave if, again, you've met all the requirements uh, and paid in the contributions. Right, but I'm not up with this stuff, but what about the small business guy? Are you uh, a business owner or are you an employee you're talking about? No, uh, just the guy that owns a little store with maybe a half a dozen employees. And let's say they happen to be related. <laughs> that sounds just like our company. Yeah. <laughs> the, wife gets, the wife gets pregnant and the guy works, her husband works behind the meat counter. Now, on a maternity leave, they both can go out, mm. correct? Yes. They what one would be, if it's a if it's the situation you described, it's actually a little more not complicated, but a little more intricate. If the woman is giving birth as opposed to adoption, she'd actually go uh -huh. out on disability. Uh, it's called a disability. I know it's not, but that's how it works. So if they had a disability plan, she would actually be going out on short-term disability, depending on the type of birth. And the husband could take, in this case, if it happens in 2021 or um, later, uh, this paid family leave, again, depending on whether or not that person paid in or not. So yes, you could have a situation where um, two people are out on theoretically the same event or the same type of leave. Yeah, and if one was out on disability, that payment would come from an insurance premium, right? Correct, or it could come from an employer. If In your example, it would come from, most likely from an insurance company, but some employers that mm -hmm. are large would self-insure that and it would come from the employer, but you're correct. So they're both getting, in this situation in Massachusetts anyway, they're both getting paid. Now granted, they're not getting 100% of their pre-leave income, but they are getting something and they both could theoretically be out on the same event. You're correct. So and so in the past, go ahead. That money they get is non-taxable, correct? That's what we we're trying to figure out. On the disability side, it depends on who pays the premium. On the contribution side, we're trying to see. It doesn't really mention taxability. taxability. Yeah. I mean, I know the employer can deduct it, but typically if you get any type of leave income, it's taxed. Um, but we're trying to figure out how the contributions come out. I haven't gotten that far in the regulations yet. I, I'm going to guess that the that the 
premiums you pay in or the withholdings from your paycheck, I'm going to guess those are not, those are tax deductible, but I'm going to guess that your benefit on the other side is going to be taxable to you. That's the way that traditional disability Mm -hmm. insurance works. Like if someone takes out a disability policy, if you take out your own policy, you pay your own premiums, you pay them after tax with no deduction, but then benefits are tax free. But there are large employers who offer disability benefits to their employees. And if the employer is paying the premium, and they get a tax deduction for it, then benefits to the employee are taxable. So you're going to either, you're going to pay taxes on one end or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. We just don't know exact, we don't know yet the taxability of this new law, but I'm going to guess it's deductible up front and then taxable on the, on the, uh, on the outset. But, but I mean, so in the past, if someone in your example, um, the the wife takes leave because she had a baby, and the husband takes paternity. In the past, that didn't ha- that didn't have to be a paid leave. Employers were not required to pay those employees. They could take time off under federal law, and their job would be protected. I'm assuming that's right, Pat. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. But it wasn't required that they were. That was a paid leave. They might have taken two to three months unpaid. This is changing the game a little bit. So that leaves of that type will now be paid by this new social insurance program if you are a covered employee and have paid into the system. It's very similar to like social security where you're only eligible for a social security benefit if you pay into the social security system for a number of Uh years. Does that make sense? Oh, oh yes. Okay. Thank you for the information. You're welcome, Don. You have a great day. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right, should we transition to Medicare discussions? How does that sound, gentlemen? Sure. My co-host is right. All right, so I just, so I know we wanted to talk about this Medicare for all proposal, mm-hmm. um, but I guess I just wanted to maybe t- touch on Medicare in its current state. Yes. Um, and I, I, I love to crunch numbers and I love to kind of do analysis on this. And it, this sort of ties in because Medicare is another social insurance program mm-hmm. where you pay into Medicare via your FICA taxes. So your payroll taxes for your entire working life, people pay into the Medicare, into the Medicare system, whether they know it or not. It's actually 1.45% yeah. of your gross wages for everyone, even if you're a federal employee, as long as you're were employed, I think post 1986. Right. I think people prior to that were grandfathered and didn't pay in. Um, but even if you're like a, a a teacher and you're in the MTRS system, you still you might not pay into Social Security, Security. but right. you pay Medicare taxes. Um, so pretty much everyone pays 1.45% of their gross income into the Medicare system. And then you become eligible for Medicare retiree health insurance at age 65 or before that under certain situation need-based situations of which I don't have the definition in front of me, but in, you know, income-based or, or Disabled, di- disability. disability-based. Thank mm-hmm. you. So I, um, and let me go a little bit further. So when you turn 65 and you become eligible for Medicare as your primary insurance, most people pay $135 a month for Medicare for their premium. Some people pay more than that. We actually have a tiered system of paying in, into that. And I actually pulled up the um, the tiers because I we have these conversations sometimes with people in the office. Kirk, what'd you do to all my windows? I had them open. Hold on a second. <laughs> Well, I, oh. I deleted everything. Ah, I had I had a window up with the with the tears of the uh, 
I gently, uh, I gently minimized everything. Oh, goodness it's gracious. All, it's all there. All right. Most mm. people pay $135. Oh, here it is. Medicare Part B. Um, a month. So if you're, let's say you're married, married couple. If your taxable income is less than 170000 a year, yep. which for most retirees it, it is, mm-hmm. you pay one hundred and thirty-five fifty a month per person for Medicare premium. Part B. For part part, B. Thank you for yes, Part B, B, which is your uh, your doctor. Not ho- hospitals Part A. Correct. Part B is your doctor. Outpatient. Outpatient, thank yep. you. Um, I just want to go a little bit further. I'm going to make a point for a minute. In a minute. <laughs> just give me a little bit of time. If your taxable income is above $170,000 and you're paying into and you're Medicare eligible, you might actually pay more than that 135 bucks a month. There's different tiers. Some people pay 189, some people pay 270, some people pay 350, and actually really high income earners might pay 430 or $460 a month, but the 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 levels of income are pretty high for that. Mm-hmm. So if we just think about averages for a minute, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I just you know found some statistic that the average household income in the United States is fifty six thousand dollars a year. Maybe in Massachusetts, in, in retirement or just at, at any point in general. In, gen- in general, in general, yeah. I'm I'm assuming that's working years. So average salaried income for a household. This is this is nationwide, and that was a couple of years ago. Maybe it's higher in Massachusetts. We have a higher cost of living here than some other places. So let's call it, I don't know, $65,000 average household income. That's not thats not per person. That was household. Mm-hmm. So if someone averages $65,000 a year for, let's call it- I know it, the math you're doing because I, I did it it's before fun. you walked in. Oh, yes. you did? Go ahead. No, I want okay. you to do All yours. Right, right. I use 50, but go ahead. I was trying to make a point that Medicare yep. is actually a really good deal. Yep. Um, for si- so let's say someone averages sixty five thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. for forty years of their working career. Exactly. Did you do the same exact I did, math? I did fifty. Okay, fifty thousand at forty years, and I got twenty nine thousand bucks. Okay, so I'm getting mm-hmm. so total earnings two point six million, and then if you multiply that by one point four five percent, which is what they pay into Medicare for their mm-hmm. premiums, mm-hmm. I get they pay lifetime thirty seven thousand yeah. dollars into Medicare. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now if I, I, that's so funny. I had, I spreadsheeted mine. Pat mm-hmm. handed I did, his, I, did I spreadsheeted mine. Yes, I see. <laughs> uh, for a radio, I'm holding up my <laughs> math. We're, that's so mm-hmm. funny. Two minds think alike. So <clears throat> I went on to the um, Medicare, Medicare.gov. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, those premium tiers that I touched on a minute ago. So most people pay 135 a month for their Medicare post 65. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is, Per Medicare.gov, that represents 25% of their actual healthcare costs, mm-hmm. meaning that meaning the government is picking up 75% mm-hmm. of that premium. So the actual cost to cover one person under Medicare is $540 a month. That's per Medicare.gov. That's based on their number crunching. Okay, right, Pat? Are you with... I am. We're on the you're same mi- page you're so missing far? one piece that oh, I did, which okay. I'll tell you All after. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, so for most people, the government is paying four hundred and five dollars a month for whatever Part B covers for Part B, right? From age sixty-five to their life expectancy. So I'm going to call that twenty, 20. years, yep. right? So the government is actually paying. Gosh, wait. I, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, so the government yeah. is paying the, the bulk of that insurance. So then what mm -hmm. I did was I went back and I took that 37-ish thousand dollars that you, so don't forget. So if you're paying that 135 a month, which is 20, which is only 25% of what it really costs, you had paid into the system for 40 years. But if you only paid in $37,000 total, and that you divide that into your 20 year life expectancy in retirement, you're only paying another like 140, 150 a month. The government is still paying half of that. Does that did, does that make sense? Did I, that this makes total sense in my mind. Yes, right. I, it, I took it a step further. Okay. I made it sound worse than that. Okay, because I you forgot about part A. Okay, I forgot about part so, A. Because yeah. people usually say when I do meetings, and you guys have done meetings, you you you're focusing on the retirement side. I'm focusing on the benefit side. Yep. So I try and explain how good a deal Medicare is. It's a yeah. And they all yeah. say to me, "Well, I've been paying in all my working life." So I do the math yep. at 50000 Okay, all right. So now, I know yeah. the people I'm talking to, no disrespect to them, they have not made $50,000 for 40 years. Okay, yeah. Because 50 years ago, 40 years ago, the average right. salary was you know, 20000 yeah. Right. So I say, look, you've paid in 29000 The premium for Part A that you get, quote unquote, free is $427 a month. Oh, okay. So I totally so, missed that right. piece. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. say, okay, so you get that free. So I say you've paid $29,000. So that means, and if they're, if they were, if they got, remember you said it, Medicare is age 65 or earlier if you're disabled, let's yeah. say they're 65. You can be Medicare eligible and social security is different as right, you know. You right. know to, but most people take Medicare at 65 if they've retired because they're not eligible for another right. plan. So I say, okay, and if if I'm sitting there and they're and they're beyond seventy, I say, look, you're you're on, you've paid, you've already recouped what you've paid in without inflation and and growth, because four hundred and thirty-seven dollars a month is only five years of premiums if they've paid twenty-nine thousand. Okay. Forgetting the Part B issue, you're right. So then you add the Part B piece, and it's probably three point five years that they've. Okay. So just like the people that have said, oh, I paid into Social Security all my life. Within, I don't know what the stats are now, but within you know four to seven years, they've already recouped back everything that they've paid into the system. It's a, it's on pay for the average American. Yes. That lives an average life expectancy, which is actually probably less than age, which is less than age eighty five. But yep. Medicare actually, I'm going to caveat this for a minute. But Medicare is a good is a really good deal. Your mm -hmm. health insurance is very inexpensive compared to what the government tells us it costs. However, right. we're relying on the government's numbers yeah. regarding what does it actually cost to cover a retiree from a healthcare point of view. Presumably they're getting numbers from insurance companies and using averages. I mean, I, I, I don't, I would I don't assume, know. So I, I did the math, part A and part B, forget drugs, which is probably half yeah. of a Whole retiree. Whole nother Right. Yeah. So let's say drugs count for half of someone's post-65 medical. Just taking the 437, which I know is free, free in quotes. But the, so the 437, that, that's, what, that's what it's costing the government? That's what that, the, that's the what, government... If someone didn't have enough quarters to qualify, they that's would have right. to pay that's for it. They, they can pay for it themselves. Yeah. They that's can pay right. for it because it's a better and deal to buy in than get something else. So Way better deal, yeah. Just adding the 437 and the 135 times 12, that's 2000 bucks a year. I'm going to say that most post-retirees, non-prescription drug medical care is cost more than $2,000. Yeah. 
dollars a year. So I would, you know, even though the government's the government, they probably write that the average. Wait, cost you missed a zero. One hundred and thirty-five plus four twenty-seven times twelve. Yeah, two is. That's not right. No. Maybe no, I that's. I think you, I think you added forty. Sorry. Forty-two. What did I do? Oh, I added. I know what I did. I added them together. Sorry, four thirty-seven plus one thirty-five. 572 times 12. Like so 6,800. Yeah, okay. Okay. But yeah, still, yeah, but you're not, I mean, but for. But still, based on what it actually costs right. to cover a retiree for that period of time, probably Medicare be double, is a really probably good double deal. that. Well, so then the yeah, question becomes where's the money coming from? But there is no, unlike Social Security, there's no cap. There's no cap on the wages. To the amount that someone pays into Medicare. So if someone right. makes $5 million a year, they're paying 1.45 percent plus the surcharge of that plus the that's the right surcharge. plus the surcharge so high income earners are paying more. a lot more into the system than they will receive as does benefits it, on right. the other end does that does that translate to why is, is the medicare system in in better shape versus social security because of that because there is no cap I think so, and oh, also yeah, too, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. employers don't forget the employers match yeah. the one point four, the one point four five two. I think so. I think the Medicare trust fund, um, because they do charge premiums for things, and there are if people just have traditional Medicare, um, not a Medicare supplement like most of our like municipal retirees get. There is some cost sharing, which keeps the cost down. There's deductibles, right. co-payments. Right. But if you right. retire from a state or municipality, there are some co-pays, but not what's in r uh, real Medicare. So that's why I think that there's there's they're getting more money in, even though it's a lower percent. Um, and also, too, they're probably, um, don't forget, the reason Medicare works, and that that's translates into the Medicare for all discussion a little bit is the reason Medicare works is the government limits what it pays for services. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're paying full price for all these different services. They're paying whatever the federal government says they're going to pay for a surgery or a and knee replacement. And or, medical professionals have to comply. And they have, if they want to pay in Medicare, yeah. they have to take it. Unlike the private sector, which again is a negotiated fee schedule. So, yes. so when you're on Medicare as a retiree, uh, based on all the math we just did, that mm -hmm. let me break it down. Let me break down mm -hmm. where the, who's paying the cost. So when, when you're a retiree, approximately a quarter of the cost you pay out of pocket as mm -hmm. your premium after 65, that's for mm -hmm. most people 135 a month. So that's one quarter of it or 25%. The next 25% of the cost, you basically paid into it during your lifetime when you, when you had FICA taxes uh, withheld from your pay. The next quarter, the next 25% to make up 75% is actually paid by your employer mm -hmm. because your employer matches, matches all of your FICA contributions dollar for dollar. Um, and then and the final 25% is paid by the Medicare system, which is essentially paid Tax by the price. higher income because it's social insurance. Higher income earners will pay more and, and cover the, the people that didn't pay into it as much. Mm -hmm. And if you're, um, if you're, so, you're self-employed, the math doesn't work quite yep, as well. Because you're, right. right. you're, you're paying both sides. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. paying 75% yeah. of it on your own. But yeah. most people pay 50% of their health care costs in retirement. Their employers pay 25% because of FICA taxes. And the rest comes from the insurance system. And you're right. It's, a, it's based on everything I've read. It, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a much financially healthier system than the social security system because there's no there's no cap on it. Yeah. Right. So there's no cap on contributions 
on the FICA side, but there is a cap on benefits, as plus, Pat just plus, mentioned. Plus the surcharge, too, is, is boosting that. It's big. Boosting right. the, yeah. the money. It's on investment income. It's on incomes over 250 right? Right. So they, and the surcharge just goes to Medicare. It doesn't go to the Social right. Security system. So right. It's social only on Medicare. So, so that seems like a pretty easy, you know, pretty easy yeah. fix to implement on the Social Security side. Uh, yeah. you, you would think so, but they keep kicking that can down the road, right? Yeah. But social, the social Security is not a financially healthy system mm-hmm. or it's not projected to be very soon. Well, right. soon is a relative term, but because people that pay in, that pay FICA taxes into Social Security, there's a cap on that. Right. So the very high income earners aren't paying more than 137,000 of their wages at yeah. that 6.2%. So there's a cap on there's a cap on benefits on the out, uh, when you collect, but there's also a cap on payments in. So it's And we have more people obviously yeah. collecting than contributing, which is it can't go on forever. Right. You know, same but thing same will thing happen. With med- same thing with Medicare. Same thing though, with, with Medicare. Boomers, yeah. Medicare will happen, but they're collecting at a different um, rate, whereas opposed to you know right. Social Security, it's a little different. Like you said, I think the cap is big. Although, you know, the cap at 132 or 35 or whatever it is now, it seems high. But when you look at you know how the you guys know how the taxes uh, you know the 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 10 percent of the people pay 50 percent of yeah. the taxes or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So um, that's probably that's why a lot of these proposals say eliminate the cap on those because that will help. Um, but obviously the the math doesn't work. You've got, That's I forget what it is. You've got too many people, you, for every one person contributing, you've got three, four collecting or something like that. It's, yeah. That's it's a, it, eliminating the cap on paying into Social Security is a huge, you're talking about a pretty big hit for high income earners. That's another mm-hmm. 6% of 6.2. their pay. Maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be 6%, but maybe it's 1%. Yeah, you know, yeah. except be a reduced rate. You should run for run for office, Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but that, that's, that's the big deal. And like I said, so I always tell people when they're thinking about, because a lot of the people that we talk to now in their um, mid-60s are debating whether to retire. And I'm sure they they come to you with, hey, can I afford to? With us, it's like, hey, what if I'm not going to, I'm going to lose my health insurance. And I'm like, well, so some of them, the ones that work for cities and towns, it's always a great deal, yeah. regardless of what you're paying. It's Even still, though it's more expensive now than it expensive. used to be, it's still a good deal. It's still a great deal because yeah. you cover, it covers everything. You have co-pays. But yeah. because most employers in the private sector don't offer retiree medical, we say, hey, well, let's do the math here a little bit. And some of them are higher income, so we have to do the higher Part B. But for we've talked to people, even people working. Now, you can't incent people to go to Medicare, but we have... Um, doctors, lawyers, people that make high incomes. And we say, even for you and your spouse, because they don't have any kids anymore in the house, um, look at Medicare. You know, why don't you just pay the higher Part B? Mm-hmm. You're getting Part A. Um, buy a supplement of Part D for the drugs. It's cheaper than paying a hunt. Now, on a self-insured, you're paying the whole cost of your health insurance, basically. It's coming back to you on your K-1. Yeah. So we say, hey, it's cheaper. And it, for most people, it works. But even the rank and file people, we always say, hey, look at your total expenses, look at Medicare, look at what you'd pay uh, versus um, you know your employer plan. For most people, it's a good deal. So yeah. I always say, you know, Medicare is, it's not a bad deal, um, you know, cost-wise. And the, the yeah. pressure to... Uh-huh. 
they're not going to increase co-payments or deductibles or anything like that. They go up on inflation, but okay. what's inflation? I mean, the issue, the issue that we often see is if the spouses are different ages. If yeah. there's somebody, there's somebody that's only 60 under, yeah. and, and the other one's 65, then it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, the hard part, there's yeah. a huge disconnect. So so for people that retire at age 65 or later, just transitioning to retiree health care for most people is not a big deal. And in fact, for some people, it's less expensive yes. because Medicare is a good deal. But for the people that want to retire at 60 or 62 and they have those gap years there where they got to go out and find their own coverage, that can be it's, huge it's very dollars. Ex- very expensive because the, the, it's age bracketed. Yeah. So people 62 and over, and to your point, Kirk, about, you know, we have some people, God bless them, they'll say, yeah, I'm retiring, but my wife is only, you know, 48. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, what, uh, 11, yeah. 11 yeah. I mean, what is a, a what thousand bucks a month? I mean, for, to go out and get your own it, healthcare it, it, at coverage? Least. I mean, at it's age, in that range. I mean, it's, Maybe a little bit more, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And don't forget, when you get it individually, you're paying it with the after-tax dollars. So you're, you're paying the full right. cost. That's right. right. It's age rated, and again, in we always talk about Massachusetts. It's geography based, so a plan in Mass will cost you much more than a plan in you know Florida, Arizona, right. just because of the cost of care and the cost yeah, of living. But it goes up with your because they can do this on individual. It will be based on your gender, male, female, yeah. and it flips once the males are ex- more expensive mm-hmm. and then the <laughs> females are more expensive, younger, and then it flips. Oh, male, interesting. Because again, childbirth. Mm. So as you get oh, older, right, right, right. it flips, then the males become, you know, because they don't go to the doctor and they uh, sicker and all that. We, yeah, don't yeah. take care of ourselves. Don't take yeah. care of yeah. ourselves yeah. and all Wait, that. Wait, it's more expensive for women Ma- early earlier, on? Early on because they're going to give birth because, and have a child yep, typically. Right. And then it flips usually around 50 because then the 50-year-old males, we don't get our colonoscopies. We don't get, we don't go right, to the doctor. Right, we have hypertension right. and all this stuff. So... Uh, and then by geography, oh, so I see what you're so you could be in a situation where for if if your spouse is you know in their forties, it could be you know twelve fifteen years of paying <laughs> premiums. That adds up, yeah, at ten, twelve, fifteen grand a right. year for that. Yeah, you hope yeah. you have a. I hope you have some money tucked away for it. Good thing, good reason to get a financial plan together. That's right. right. Little plug can, there. Can you yeah. afford to retire? Yeah, you probably can, but you have to worry about your spouse. I mean, sometimes obviously. Yeah. If there's no, you guys do the math all the time. If their kids are done with college right. and there's no, and the house is paid off and there's no other sick relatives, then it's a matter of health insurance is a big one yeah, because yeah. most people one. forget that or they'll say, "Oh, Medicare will cover it." Now, Medicare will cover most, but I mean, you've been to, you've, you've had, uh, what's my buddy's name, the Medicare guy? You guys have to do the seminar. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter Stoner, yeah. That's right, Stoner. I love that name. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah, Peter's great because he'll he he knows all the plans. He knows what it costs out of pocket. Yeah. And some people don't realize that you do, even though it comes out of your. People don't see the Part B because it comes out of their Social Security, right. right? Right. They think that Part A is free, even though they've been paying into it. Right. They just don't understand what all the all the copays are. Yeah. But, all right. But it's still a good deal. Still a good deal. Okay, um, let's take a break. When we want, I know Pat, you wanted to talk about the yeah. Medicare for All proposal. That is, is it just brought up again recently, or well, what? every year uh, this is the 116th Congress, so every year they have to refile the bills. Oh, okay. So what our group does is just puts together. There's literally there are eight, nine different. Medicare for all versions. Some of them are called different things, but just to give people a sense, I think people have gotten the sense now that Medicare is a good deal. Medicare for all may not be such a good deal. It's currently a good deal. It may not be. So people think the one thing that I think is missing with the seniors, uh, the people on Medicare, right now you've got a good deal. 
if you let everyone into your plan, right. Right. it's not going to be a good deal anymore. Right. So they, they may think they're protecting it, but it's really, they're, they should protect it by keeping the other people out because the program would have to change mm -hmm. fundamentally for it to work. Right. I mean, if, medic, if medical providers now are being paid, they're being reimbursed less from anyone on Medicare, they're being reimbursed more by people on private health insurance. If everyone transitions to Medicare, the price is going to inevitably go up. Mm -hmm. for, for for people for, on Medicare because they're going to have to pay their medical professionals are going to have to pay their expenses. Right. The right, money has right? to come from somewhere. The money somewhere. has to come from somewhere and if there's no more private insurance that's right now paying more, reimbursing medical professionals more yes. and alleviating the cost for people on Medicare essentially, mm -hmm. um, then, then the Medicare will have to change. Anyway, that's just a little sneak preview. We are going to take a quick <laughs> break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm going to step out and go coach soccer. Kirk <laughs> <Okay>. Reed <laughs> yeah. is going to take over. And uh, also we're joined this morning by Pat Harridan with Gallagher Benefits. We are live. If anyone has questions for the next 25 minutes, 781-837-4900. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back, but Alyssa has, well, her, her new business is, is coaching soccer. So ah. she has stepped out for a couple <laughs> minutes, uh, or about the remainder of the show. Uh, good morning, this is Kirk Reed of McNamara Financial. Uh, and today I'm joined by Pat Harridan of Gallagher Benefits. Um, we started off the show by talking about the, you know, the Massachusetts Paid Family Medical Leave Act, uh, which is um, going to have some changes coming up in, well, soon as far as contributions and then uh, benefits commencing in 2021, uh, which we're still happy to field uh, phone calls on that if somebody wants to call in 781-837-4900. Uh, but we've kind of transitioned into talking about uh, Medicare. Uh, and I believe Pat has some info on the Medicare for All uh, proposals. Uh, so I guess if you want to sure. lead it off there. Yeah. So um, so we talked about Medicare, and I think we've covered what Medicare is. So most people know, as Alyssa said before she left, so Medicare covers um, those age 65 or older or someone who may be disabled or, or for other um, income reasons. But Medicare um, primarily um, has been, um, throughout the course of the last probably two elections, as we went through the Affordable Care Act, has been talked about as a, because as we just discussed, it is such a good plan, uh, why don't we extend it to everyone? Because everyone thinks the insurance companies are making too much money, there's too many restrictions, and um, people can't get care, and the cost of things is so... Um, is so high. So, you know, Bernie Sanders is probably the most popular, but others have proposed the, the titles of the different proposals that are in the current Congress. And again, none of these will advance um, this year. Well, it will probably depend on what happens with the 2020 election. But we've got Medicare for All, which is basically what it says. It makes everyone eligible for Medicare um, literally at birth. So everyone's covered by a plan. Um, and again, Medicare would have to change its name, but just in general, it's for everyone. The second one is a what's called a public plan option. This came up when we were talking about the Affordable Care Act. Um, so the Affordable Care Act's been around since 2010. That was when President Obama was in office. The ACA, or Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, PPACA, um, this creates an option that people can buy into um, a public 
plan. And there are two, three, four, there are probably six different versions of that where people can actually uh, choose it and buy into it. So pay a premium, Kirk. Mm-hmm. In other words, Medicare is is supposed to be a free plan like it is today um, for the Part A piece, but public plan would be free. Then there's also something called a Medicare buy-in. So in other words, just what we said, we know the premiums of the plans. Why can't someone who's you know 50 or 45 just buy into that plan and at the current premium? Right, do the same thing, yeah. Same thing. And then there's a, th- a fourth sort of category. There's something called a Medicaid buy-in. So people always get these confused just to simplify. Medicare, elderly or disabled. Medicaid, similar, is a state-run plan that's for lower income. Ours is, in general, uh, mass health would be our sort of Medicaid uh, option. But again, um, people who... Um, uh, can, uh, in this proposal, you could buy into that program. But the problem with a lot of these is obviously the cost and the funding. Over half, I had stats here before my desk blew up. The, your explosion before, before of the information. Before paid family yeah. leave stuff. Yeah. Um, but about half of the people that are insured get their coverage through their employer. The rest are either on Medicaid, a public plan, individual plan. Uh, in Massachusetts, we have the lowest uninsured rate. It's around 1.8%. So we have very low people who don't have coverage. So right now, people get coverage. The problem is the cost. So what happens under these proposals, looking at Medicare for all, because that seems to be the most popular one, and we talked about this a little bit, the reason Medicare currently works the way it does is, A, the participants don't pay, as we just discussed, the full premium. Mm -hmm. So you're paying for you're only paying about 25 percent of so of the premium for at least one of the one of the parts of Medicare, and the second thing is, but more importantly, is the government sets the limit on what they're going to pay for a service. That does not exist in the private sector. So, for example, Medicare may say we're going to pay. Again, this is just a number for effect: a thousand dollars for like an MRI. Whereas uh, a private insurer, you know, Blue Cross, Harvard, Tufts, the provider may negotiate with them and say they're going to pay fifteen hundred dollars for okay. that MRI. So there is a cap, but it's but it's typically higher. It's t- right. It's higher. There, right. There's always a negotiated fee with a health insurance plan, but it's higher. It's higher for two reasons. One is, again, in theory, I know there's prescription drugs is a totally separate animal. In theory. Let's say the thousand dollars is not the full cost of that MRI. It's somewhere closer to around you know twelve hundred. That means that in order for that provider to cover its cost, make a profit, and all that, and to expand, they need to have the private insurers subsidize the public, the Medicare. So the problem would be. So right now, there's a good mix of for most providers that accept Medicare, which most do. They've got a good public, um, sorry, private um, insurance population that subsidizes. So if they do a fair number of private uh, MRIs versus uh, public or Medicare MRIs, they'll be able to make the true cost and make a profit. The problem is if everyone switches to quote unquote Medicare, they're only going to get $1,000 for every MRI. So they won't be able to do that for long because there's no subsidy to, to pay for that. So that's the biggest issue with doing it. Now granted, what will happen is they'll um, either the cost will have to go up, 
But again, who's funding that? Now it turns to the taxpayers. So it fundamentally, the Medicare for All proposal would most likely even, it would eliminate all insurance companies, health insurance companies, because um, the government would simply be the payer. That's another word for the Medicare for All, a single payer. And what that means is who is paying the actual claims. It's a single entity, the government. Similar, but not the same as like Canada or some of the European mm. countries that do socialized medicine. They try and stay away from the word socialized medicine in, in, <laughs> sure. in, in the United States. But, um, so Medicare for all, again, it sounds great because everyone gets free healthcare, but um, quote unquote free healthcare. But again, the taxpayer, so it has the money has to come from somewhere. The, the, how it gets paid for, if you think about it, and we talked about this a little earlier, is right now, if half of the people that are insured get their insurance from an employer, a lot of that is pre-tax. So, the, and the employer gets a deduction. Right. So in our example, if Medicare, I did the math, it costs 7,000, let's say the total cost is 12. The real cost for a um, an active employee in total is probably around 15,000 bucks. Because okay. a family's about 25,000 in premium, and the singles around you know eight or ten. Let's say it's fifteen thousand. So the government for every employee that's covered under an employer plan is not getting tax revenue on that fifteen thousand dollars, whether it's Medicare tax, FICA tax, or um, income tax. Right. So that is a huge number when you think about half of the insureds are covered by employer plans. So all that um, tax money that's not being collected would pay for, in theory, would pay for a portion of that, plus obviously people would have to pay um, taxes. Uh, Yeah, just because they'd be paying it out of pocket as opposed through payroll deductions. Correct, right, because... So so it's it's bypassing that pre-tax stream and coming out of pocket. Right, so let's say whatever, however many tax brackets we have now. So immediately right now, I think if people, it's, it's a little bit far removed from tax time, but everyone knows, let's say, you know, use our $50,000 employee, when you get your W-2, and let's say you worked all year for one employer and you made 50000 the amount in that box, too, the taxable income isn't 50000 right. It's lower by, if you contributed to your 401k, which you should. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> everyone, yeah. everyone should be, you know, even if your employer doesn't match, but you should be contributing to your 401k, assuming that, you know, again, right. you have other income to cover your expenses. Um, pay yourself first, right? That's, Correct. That's what you say. Yep. Um, so... And then it's also lower by the amount of any other pre-tax deductions. And this is your medical, dental, even some life insurance, right. disability we talked about. So the government is not getting tax, collecting taxes on 50. It could be, you know, 40 or something like that. Uh, but again, you've received all of it. So what would happen is, you know, in a simpleized, your, your taxes would now be 50. So you're paying the additional tax there. That would help pay for it. And then you're paying out of pocket any of the co-pays, deductibles, you're paying right. the Medicare plan. After tax, post-tax, yeah. Post-tax, and you're paying with post-tax dollars. Um, similar with the public plan option, you don't hear much about this um, because I don't think I'm looking at the names. None of these people are running for president that are, <laughs> <laughs> okay. that are, that are sponsoring these plans. But every year it comes in, and this is more of if people uh, right now, this is more about the marketplace. If you remember back... When the ACA was created, they had these marketplaces. We have a connector, what's called the health connector in mass. So in our example, if someone was going to retire and they had a 48-year-old spouse, 
that 48-year-old spouse would have to go on the exchange and buy, they'd go on to Mass yeah. Connector and look for a plan. What they're saying is here is in addition to like the Blue Cross, Harvard, Tufts, um, Fallon, Always, whoever you're going to pick from, there would also be this public option. And again, s- designed probably similar to Medicare, but you'd have an option. You wouldn't have to take that. And the private insurance market with employers would still be in existence. Can I ask you, like, yeah. I know, I know, I mean, I, I've poked around a little bit on the health connector yeah. and I know we've had some, you know, some clients that have had to, you know, go on there for various reasons. Yeah. And the, you know, the feedback has always been that it's, it's a little cumbersome, you know, it's, it's, it has lots of information, but it's like, it's like TMI, you know, yeah, it's a little, right. you know, and, um, yeah. so like on the, if, on this proposed, you know, public mm-hmm. option, sure. is it going to have one, is it one option or is it going to be multiple options, multiple subsets or? Yeah, it seems like it says public option. Uh, and I'm looking at sort of the grid that we've got here. It seems like it will be one option, uh, with, it will only be different by the state you're in because okay. if you remember, so back, the state still regulates insurance. States regulate insurance. The federal government can't regulate insurance. Um, that's a longstanding from a, back from the McCarran-Ferguson Act, but back to the Supreme Court. So the states would have, because in mass we cover more things, but the problem that people have on the connector or on healthcare.gov, which is the connector for sites for states that don't have a, a marketplace like we do, is it's not like shopping for you know airline tickets like everyone thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Because at least with an airline ticket, in our example, I always say, look, if I want to go from here to Florida, I know I'm going to get to Florida. It's just a matter of do I want to watch TV? Do yes. I want to pay for an extra bet? It's right. I'm st- but or, I know, or do I want to see Chicago on the way? That's yeah, right. Yeah. Or I'm going direct right. Yeah. And you know what your experience is going to be like. Again, this is you know a regular ticket. So it's very easy to compare. Do I want to spend $150? Do I want to spend $250? And if it's, it's not much more amenities, I'm going to pick the 150 because I'm still going to get to Florida. Right. Right. Depending on the time right. and where through and right. if it's the same day right. or not. But with health insurance, it's hard because, as you said, you go online, you may get, let's say you get five options. One's $100 a month. One's $700 a month. People are gonna, people so yeah, are gonna, right. to try to drill down and what is what are the actual differences? It's a it's a it's hard yeah, because yeah. you you don't you're everyone's an individual. Healthcare is an emotional decision. People don't think rationally, just like when they buy a car yeah. or buy a house and investments. It, right, and investments, people yeah. get irrational, mm-hmm. right? That's uh, but yeah, I always say it on the the most important decisions we make in life are emotional, not rational. It's who we're going to marry, where we're going to live, and what car we're going to drive. And how much you're going to spend on college. Right. I would throw that one in, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's an emotional yeah. decision, yeah. not rational. Mm-hmm. If it was rational, we'd all go to community college to get a degree, and it doesn't really matter where we went to college. But so for that, if you're looking at 100 to 700, most people are going to say, well, the $700 plan must cover more. It's better, right? I'm not going to, I have a, you know, because when people are shopping for heart heart surgery, they're not going <laughs> to say, this- <laughs> hey, I want the cheapest guy out there. Right. But what they're not, what they're missing is, you know, what's important to them. That $700 plan may have a lot of extras that you don't need. Let's say it says, hey, we cover 100% of X, Y, and Z that you'll never use. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we've got this great, you know, whatever, maternity benefit and you're a single male. Right. You, and that doesn't import, I don't need that. Or it's got, you know, it covers, um, 
international travel. It covers this hospital, all these clinics that you'll never go to. Or it just has benefits that, you know, you can uh, pay out of pocket. Like for some, usually the higher cost premiums have lower out of pocket costs. So someone may say, hey, for the, I'll do the math and say for that $100 plan, the max I'm going to spend out of pocket is, well, I don't know, 1500 bucks. I can afford that. I don't have to pay the $700 premium every month because right. I know that's gone. But it's very hard to compare because the the grids are long. It's not like just Boston to Florida. They're big, yeah. They're big, and there's a lot of fine print. Does you got to read the whole thing if you have some special need, like a mental health benefit or uh, durable medical equipment, some sort of service, wheelchair or asthma, nebulized. You need something. You really got to call, and it takes a lot of work. Most people don't want to put the time, and they'll just pay the higher premium, mm. and that's mm. what happens. Okay, so. What they're trying to do, I think, in a, in a, and I, again, I, without the po- politics aside, they all have good intentions. What they're trying to say is, look, as Americans, we should cover everything. We can't cover everything. We're seeing this in the prescription drug market now. We, have, we, we actually have a drug you take because you take too many drugs. So <laughs> it's getting a little... There's even drugs now that will help other drugs work. I mean, it's getting... Yeah. There's a condition. Yeah. So... We have to draw the line somewhere on what we're going to cover, but what they're trying to do here is, at least that they they think, and again, it's not perfect, but the health insurance system is not broken. People just don't like it. Like in other words, no one argues that you know a bad driver should pay more in auto insurance than someone else, right? But what happens is if you live in a community that has a lot of bad drivers, your rates go up. If you choose to buy a more expensive car or one that gets stolen a lot, you pay more. Mm -hmm. People accept that. Mm -hmm. People don't accept it when they use more medical services and they should pay more. Because medical insurance is one of the the few things, there's three things unique about medical as opposed to homeowners, auto, or any other insurance you buy. One is you never, for the most part, you never pay full price. To the, the Medicare example is a good one, but in the employer world. So I have a family plan that on my W-2, the total cost is around $27,000. Big number, right? Big number, but I probably pay, I pay a lot, but let's say I pay like 12000 of that. So I don't pay the full price. And in a, in a bad year, I could get more benefit. I could get like 20000 in benefit if... There were surgeries, you know, babies. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So very rarely in insurance do you get more in benefit than you pay in premium. That's not, it's the way our system is. Right. And the third thing is you tend to use it every day. Like uh, auto insurance you'd use, obviously, if you got an accident, your car got stolen, or if your house burnt down. All very rare. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Health insurance you use at least twice a year. Right? Sure. So, it's more emotional. Again, I don't think, although maybe less true with your agent, but I don't think people necessarily care where their health insurance, I mean, where their auto insurance policy comes from. Whether I know they want to go to the local broker, which they should, but whether it's, you know, Arbella, Commerce, or Progressive, mm-hmm. or any of the, they probably don't care as long as they pay the claim. Whereas here, they want, you know, a brand name. They want, like, a Blue Cross, a Harvard, a Tufts. I mean, for for lack of a better term, 
I think people put a premium on on their health because that's that's, right. that, that's your that's your biggest that's the biggest thing you got going is your health, right? Your health is it, and yeah. they'll pay more for it. And we've even had um, discussions. So when we talk to employees, sometimes the employer will ask us, "Hey, you know, why don't you ask the employees when you meet with them? Would they pay more in premium for less out of pocket? Like in other words." If we can give them a plan that costs, I'm using you know unrealistic numbers, $100 a month, but they paid a maximum of $500 out of pocket, or would they pay $250 for only $100? Most employees will tell you, without even doing the math, they'll pay more in premium to pay less out of pocket. It's not rational. They just think that way. Yeah, they don't like being don't do feeling the like they're being nickel and dimed. And uh, but even if if they never use it or they use it once or twice, it actually financially it's better. That you know, I right. get you. Yeah. And obviously, the way insurance works, you know this, and most um, people in our industry know this. Insurance is based on the transfer of risk for a premium, and in order to do that, you need people who don't use insurance, right? right? You have to have a fair amount of people who are going to be low utilizers to cover the high utilizers. Right. Um, but the problem is, as we talked about with the paid family leave, the more the premium increases, the more, not pressure, but the more desire that person wants to get some money back for what they pay in. So they will tend to use the mm -hmm. services more, saying, hey, I'm paying for something I'm never going to use. Whereas on, on house insurance or, or homeowner's insurance, People pay that premium every year. Probably n many people have never had a claim. You know, the house didn't burn down, tree didn't fall on the house, but they'll pay it every year because they want that protection. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at, at first it's a necessity, right? If you have a mortgage, I mean, yes. it's a requirement, but yeah. Um, and also, and then they made health insurance a requirement now, right, for, for Mass and for other states. Uh, the federal one is sort of has less teeth in it now. But, um, but yeah, so the biggest thing that we see when people talk... When the, just when people listen to the candidates and they talk about free health care or free college or any of these things, the money is going to come from somewhere. Just remember that. And for the seniors out there, Medicare for all isn't necessarily the best thing for you because that, that plan is now going to have everyone in it. Right. Costs are going to go up because, again, the pool is a little different. So I get it. You know, they don't want any changes to their Medicare plan, but they should be conscious of that. And th these, some of these other options, um, some of these other options um, are probably, like I said, they get filed every year. So if, if the 2020 election, if the Democrats win the presidency and get control of Congress, you, you could expect something to happen, but I don't think, you know, again, I think the people, even the people pushing these plans because they sound good, will realize it's going to be very difficult to finance the Medicare for all type proposals. Do you have any um, concept of what the public's feeling is on these proposals? Well, it seems or? like it, it, the, the way the, the surveys work, it's funny. Everyone's in, when you say, hey, do you want, you know, free health care with no premiums? Everyone says yes. <laughs> and they say, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, we're going to raise your taxes. They're not. Yeah. So I think initially, free, the, yeah, yeah, the idea yeah. sounds great. Yeah. It's like free ice cream. Yeah. How many, how much ice cream can you eat? A lot. A good, I, can, I can eat a lot. A lot. That, yeah. It's a good idea. But then they, the more the details come out, the, the popular, the, the numbers go down. Right. Right. The more the more you know. Yeah. The more you know, the less you're in favor. Uh, so I think we just have a minute or so left. Um, why don't you give out? You want to give out your yep. information, your contact info, and yeah. Yep. So uh, it's Pat Harridan from Gallagher Benefits, and my number is six one seven three five one six zero 
1-800-273-8654. And the last thing I'll say, so next Saturday, June 22nd, uh, the topic is death of a loved one. Uh, Brendan McNamara of McNamara Sparrow Funeral Home and Mike McNamara will discuss everything you need to know about making funeral arrangements and uh, pre-funeral planning. Uh, all right, thank you. This has been Kirk Reed and, again, uh, Pat Harridan of Gallagher Benefits. Have a nice weekend.